Greetings in Jesus' name to each one here this morning, the one that was humble enough to come to earth to live among men to save us from our sins. And that's, that's wonderful. What a tremendous blessing. Welcome to the visitors. I see some of y'all here that uh, I haven't seen in this church ever before. <laughs> God bless you for coming. Glad to see you this morning. And, uh, you know, I, the Lord has led me to a message, on, uh, that, one that he really, really cares about. Now, I didn't have to sing victory in Jesus to get pumped, okay? In case you're wondering. But I will try to make it compatible with your ears uh, because uh, there's a number of things Jesus gets really excited about, and that's his bride. You know, he's going to come back. He has a glorious bride, and that's the church. It said in Ephesians, the glorious church. And you know, it, it, it's wonderful that you and I can be part of that church. Uh, as undeserving as we are because of our humanity and our carnal nature, but thank God we can be forgiven of our sins and have that nature changed in the, the nature of Jesus. And we can have that within our hearts. And what a tremendous blessing to be able to follow Jesus in this life. And so, you know, I had to think, well, I'm not going to say anything new. So I'm not going to try to. But I'm going to say things actually that I think y'all do very well at, okay? And so I want to thank you for that. But always, it's always good to look at basic scriptures and fundamental scriptures to keep us solid. Because you were tempted to go astray, to kind of do what I want to do and uh, do it how I want to do it. And, and, but God has a good plan that's working together. I believe the church should be the most conducive organization that's conducive to growth in him of any other organization on the earth. Because, you know, when we buy into church and, and membership in the church and, and want to do what's right, it, it is a growthy situation. So for the text this morning, I look, look at Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 16. Ephesians 4, verse 11. <clears throat> Where... Paul said to the Ephesians and us, he said some interesting words, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the sight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now, there's a lot of points in this, in this passage we could look at, but I'm going to bring out basically four points. And the title of the message is the church growing up together. And it's brought out there, growing up is in verse 15, that they may grow up. And then in verse 16, it says, fitly joined together. Now, you get around, and uh, you sometimes you get around, and I'm sure there was many times in, uh, in my youthhood that my parents would have thought, I wish he would just grow up. 
You know, that's wishful thinking. I mean, that's a good desire that people would grow up. And I wonder sometimes when God looks down in the church, we can say, you know, it's time that they grow up. You know, well, that's that's why I say this environment, the Christian brotherhood is an environment that we can grow up. And you know what? You never get done growing up. Amen. You never, I mean, some people are, you know, I know as you get older, older, you should be more mature. And I know that, but you never get done striving to be more like Jesus. In other words, you, you need to continue to grow up. And I thank God then we grow up together. So we have the same desire. We have the same goal because we're going to grow up together. And uh, so God has a lot of encouragements here. And the first one I like to look at uh, is in verse 11, basically where it talks about gifts. And I don't know how you feel about uh, gifts. You know, you might say, well, some people say, uh, I don't know if I have any gifts, but, you know, it's easy to think I have one and you have ten. Yeah, it's kind of easy to look like, well, you know, I just don't have quite as much. But the Lord has given everybody gifts. Everybody has gifts. So stop, we can stop looking around and say, oh, I wish I could sing like so-and-so. You know, and it's easy to say that. Or, you know, I remember, oh, I tell you, when I, I wish I could preach like Aiden Troyer. You know, if, if you know him, you know why I would say that. But, you know, God didn't make us to preach like that, you know. Or I wish I could teach Sunday school. And so basically, it's, it's saying be useful. First point is be useful. And that is, of course, in the church for his glory. But be useful because uh, he's given you gifts for a reason. And then 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 14 and 18 and 27 to 31 talks about some more gifts you have. But everybody has gifts. And, and, and you know what? Gifts, your gift that God gave you was designed to be a blessing to the believers and to the world, actually, to everyone. So you have a gift, and you might, you know, I say, well, I don't have much of a gift. A gift that everybody can have that's born again, everybody can have that's born again, is a thankful heart and a smile. We need every Christian can have a thankful heart and a smile on their face because they're born again. They have Jesus in their life. You know, they don't, they're not living that selfish, uh, you know, caring about self, always looking within, saying, you know, I, well, it didn't, it didn't go in my way or I have all this and that or I wasn't born with a silver spoon and all kinds of things people say. If we, as Christians, we can praise the Lord. We've been born again. We've been saved by the blood of Jesus. We didn't deserve this. We got it because it's a gift, and we receive it through faith in Jesus Christ. That's a tremendous blessing. Everybody, regardless how many aches and pains you have and how many smoking sticks you need, you can still have a, a cheerful heart and a smile on your face. And, uh, and I think it's, uh, that's such a tremendous blessing. So we're cheerful working together. Uh, the end of chapter uh, verse 16, where it talks about increasing. Uh, the last part of 16b says, let me see, let me read this uh, in the New King James, where it says, according to the effectual working by which every part does its share. Now, that's a tremendous blessing because, see, you know, hopefully you're doing your share, but it is discouraging when somebody don't buy into doing their share. You know that? You know, when you, when you play volleyball, 
You know, and some people are trying to win, and half of them don't give a care. You know what? The spirit of the teamwork goes down. You know that? It just does. You know, oh, I don't care. Mess up. Well, you know. And the spirit, it's the same way in church. Everybody, when we do our part, and we're striving to do our part to be a blessing to one another so that they can feel the love of Jesus and be cared and nurtured, you know what I mean? You know, you're, you're being your gift, so you say, hmm, you know, you're asked, to lead, you're asked to teach Sunday school. And I've heard this happen. Man, he did say, I can't teach Sunday school. I won't teach Sunday school. Well, look, if you're going to be useful, you got to be available. Okay? you got to be willing to say, I'll try. Doesn't mean you'll be the world's best. You probably won't be. And by the way, if you do a bad job, you won't be asked again. And so you, you can always have a testing ground. But, you know, I was amazed a person had come to another church and said, ah, I can't teach Sunday school. And they uh, got him, twisted his arm, maybe it was, but they got him to teach Sunday school. You know, he was, an, within a couple years, he was an excellent Sunday school teacher. And it's interesting to note, in Matthew 25, 14 to 30, you know the story of the talents. And he gave some five, some two, and some one, right? And he went off and he said, you know what? He come back and the one at five got five more. He used his talent and he gained more. The one that used two used his talent, two talents, and he gained two more. And you know what it says after? And he come back and the one that had one buried it, buried it. And he lost the one he had. But more than that, he said when he come back, the master blessed those people that got more talents and he gave them double. And so the one with 10 ended up with 11. Isn't that right? I think it's 10 and 5 and 5 and 1. I think he gave the one that the one lost to the one that had 10. You know, you kind of go, you might, how does that person have so many gifts? He might be just using his gift. He might be just using it. You know, and it's a tremendous blessing. And he said, enter into the joy of the Lord. You want joy? Be of service in the kingdom till you're just spent and spent and spent. And you'll get joy. That brings joy. Some of the most unjoyful people are the people who look at themselves and they have their hands out and they're going, I want more. You give me more. And I'm not saying that you're that way. I'm just this is something we want to stay away from. You say, look. The Lord has given to me. I'm going to give to you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you because the Lord has blessed me. You know what? They have joy. They have joy. It is a joy to give and to use your gift. It, it brings joy. More than that, you ought to read the last of the chapter of 25. You know what happened to the one that lost his talent? He didn't just lose his talent. He wound up in hell. So it's not a good, you use it or you lose it, okay? Now, I know that's a trite statement, but you use it or you lose it. And it is not a valid option. You know, so many of y'all have got, and I look at it, I just see so many talents. And I wonder what God sees, because he sees more potential than I can see, you know? And I see y'all working and doing it. Keep it up. I'm just saying, keep it up. You know, I always be those that are willing to say, don't feel like you got to do everything. There's other side. Uh, I just love when you ask somebody, you know, can I do this? It's, I'll try. I'll try. God bless you for that. But that doesn't mean I was blessed not too long ago. Somebody come to me and said, you know what? I'm not working very much. You know, I would like to do more. God bless anybody with that attitude. That come from this congregation. 
Now, now, don't think that you need to be doing everything, okay? Because you're not the best at everything, okay? We need to share this a blessing around because it's a blessing to serve. It's a blessing to serve. And God wants us to do, uh, be used in that way. Well, that's the first point. The second one is uh, verses 12 and 13 where it says, For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the force of Christ. So be a builder, okay? Be up, and you do good at that. In other words, be, use your gift to build up. In other words, it's not a talent to tear down, okay? It's not a gift from God to tear down. <laughs> it, but it's such a blessing to see people encouraging one another, irregardless of what happens. You know, for the perfecting of the saints, and for your gift is given to you for equipping you and this church. Equipping means completely furnishing. Complete. You know what? This church would not be complete without you using your gift. You feel that? Now, I can use mine, and my brother can use it, but if you don't use yours, we're still incomplete. Because have you noticed that certain people just connect to certain people? And that's wonderful. That's what God intended to be. You can connect. You can encourage certain people that others can't. Never look down to the one that can't, okay? <laughs> Just because you can't, because I'll get into that a little later. Remember, I shouldn't get into that now. But you do what you can do to be a blessing. In other words, it's, it's so wonderful to do what edifies one another. We are responsible to use our gift always to build up. And it's a tremendous blessing we can be that way. Edification. Yeah, the church needs more encouragers. Now, I suspect every one of you are, but we can always amp it up. So, when did you tell uh, the, the superintendent you did a great job with devotions? How long has it been since you said that? You know, or how long has it been since you told uh, uh, Sunday school kids you did a good job? You know, there was more encouragers. You know, more encouragers. That, that's what we need. Uh, God wants that. We, are, we have good song leaders. When is the last time you said when you see somebody struggling, rather than what's wrong with you, <laughs> we say, I'm praying for you, I love you. I'm praying for you, I love you. That's an encourager. Yeah, that's what God wants. And, uh, and he expects that. It's, it's a tremendous blessing to be that one, to edify the body. No one says in Acts 9, 31, then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified. They were built up and walking. There's some results of this and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit were multiplied. It just didn't mean they just had a good walk, which they sure did. They walked in reverence to God and his word. They, they cared about Jesus. They cared about obeying him. They had the Holy Spirit leading their steps, which we need and want. But you know what? It had effects. It had drawing effects. And so that's what we're talking about, see? Growing up together as a bond of believers to realize that you have different gifts. You have a different personality. You have different talents. And yet we all work together harmoniously. The world knows that's a miracle. The world knows that's a miracle. And you know what? You can be part of that miracle. You can be an asset to that miracle. Yes, 
Edifying also is used in verses 16 and 29 of our passage here this morning where it says, the very last part of 16, it says, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself. You edify the church in love, always in love. Verse 29 says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Okay? You need a screen. You know they have a test screen. If you're drunk, they blow you on some screen. If guy's drunk. <laughs> it says 2.3, 3, whatever. You should have that in your mouth and say, does it edify before you talk? <laughs> screen. Blow it over the screen. Does it edify? If it does, yes, then it's used. Then it's good to the use of edifying that may minister grace. It is encouraging for the ones that hear. And that's what God wants. I tell you, that is so beautiful. And I think y'all do a great job. Edification, building up always that way. Now, that doesn't mean, this doesn't take down the possibility of exhorting, okay? That can be edifying. But you know what? There is a nice way to edify. Excuse me, I'm using the wrong word. There's a nice way to exhort, a way that shows tenderness and compassion. And there's other ways. When you come condemning, I see nods. That's amen. When you come condemning, that is not edifying. But now they might need some help. I've needed help. I've been edified a few times. No, I've been edified a bunch. I've been exhorted a few times, if I don't get confused over these words. And, uh, and I needed it. But it's so nice when people come showing a care of love, and, uh, a loving for me, and a tenderness of saying, hey, you know, I understand where you're at. Something where they're not look con looking condemning, or condescendingly down. Romans 14, 19 says, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify one for another. In other words, my speech by building up should encourage and bring peace in the brotherhood. And I'm glad we have a peaceful brotherhood. God bless you in that. Let's keep it up. And uh, that's terribly important. And then there's more. There's unity of the faith. Talks about in these verses. Unity of the faith. And that means oneness of belief or convictions, and may I say goals. I think Christians should have a lot of the same goals. Now, we're talking about spiritual goals now. You might have a, uh, different goals monetarily, but even that goal should be tempered by the good book. You know, but we have a lot of the same goals. And number one is to reflect Jesus. You know, we want to follow him. We have a goal to be holy and to stay holy. I don't know if that's a high goal, but it should. It, it is a high goal for me. It's a high goal. How is it? Be ye holy. Because Jesus says, so we, we, we must be holy, and we want to stay holy. We can be that way. That's a tremendous blessing, unity of the faith, because that's faith in Jesus. And that brings a unique group. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10. When talking about church unity, this is always one of the top ones at my list. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10 says... Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. Does this sound like unity? This, this is just oozing with unity. And that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now that is beautiful. And I think that is what God intends down here. 
I don't even question the devil is totally pleased when churches disintegrate from the inside out. Because God expects churches to be nurturing and loving from the inside out. From their hearts of love for Jesus and love for each other. And you know what? So then you think, well, they're not doing it my way. Well, God bless you. They don't have to. Amen? Well, you want to say that because that means they're doing something else, <laughs> you know. But that's the truth. Okay, we, we come together as a brotherhood. And it's very important that we realize that, that Jesus is the head. Jesus, you know, that verse 15, verse B says that. That we grow up in all things, even to the head. Jesus is the head. If we're going to all be together in unity like God wants us to be in the faith, we have Jesus and his word as our head. Then we also have brotherly agreements that we agree to, that we've agreed to, that brings us together. And you know what? Tempting sometimes, people are tempted not to do them. And that brings, uh, uh, that is a lot, that's an opportunity for growth. I'll just put it that way. Because we have those, and we want to be willing to grow. So the question is, if we're going to have unity of faith, I must, we all must be willing to change and grow. Because we might need to have a growth area in my life. That just could be. And so if, uh, if we're, there's going to be no divisions among us, everything cannot be done just one person's way. It doesn't, that doesn't work. That is independent-minded. We have to be willing to conform our mind and our thinking to the will of God through the brotherhood. And there's a ton of safety there to realize we have all these good members and faithful Christians here and we can come together and we agree to this. And you know what? Sometimes I need to amp it up. Okay? That's growing together. Growing up. Anytime that I, I am encouraged to do something that I don't want to do, but maybe I know I should do, because there's a possibility there that I should do. Maybe I don't have the understanding. God doesn't say you always have the understanding. You know what? You need to have the willing heart to obey. Because you know what? When you don't obey, we get in the bracket of disobedience. And sometimes we can defend that pathway. And you know what? You become, rather than an edifier and a builder, without knowing it, you get into the other bracket of tearing down. We don't want to be that way. Yes, Philippians 2 talks about us having the mind of Christ. I can't fathom how much, how humble he was to come down to earth. But he says it even another way. Romans 12 verse 3 says, For I say through the grace given to me that every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, which means realistically, According as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. He's saying right there, just get off the high horse. <laughs> every now and then we need to just get off the high horse and realize that you are a contribution. You are a blessing. But you know, you're not always perfectly right. You know, we need each other. So don't think yourself more highly. But to think, you know, we, a brotherhood is growthy and builds up and draws when they work together and by the way for the for first corinthians 1 verse 10 and also romans 12 2 rings a lot of submission 
And that's not just women, it's men. Men are, sometimes us men can be the hardest ones to get to change their way of thinking that there is. But I praise God, when we have humility the way we should, we can be a submissive brotherhood. And then it says they grow up, yes, to a, what did I read there, right? And to a perfect man there in the middle of verse 13, a perfect man. Well, that's an interesting thought. Greek means completeness of full age mature. Now, it doesn't say you have to be 70 to do this. A perfect man. I, I praise God that when we accept Jesus, positionally, spiritually, we're perfect in Jesus. And that's a tremendous blessing. Ever think about that? As your sins beneath the blood and you have a desire to follow him, you're perfect. You're perfect. You're good. Now, you might not be mature. Uh, there is a maturing process, and that's what we're talking about a little bit here this morning. And, uh, but we can grow. We can, we can be a perfect positionally in him. We're not per uh, perfect performance-wise, that's for sure, because we're very human. But we can be forgiven. We, we can live above our besetting sins. We can live above that. We can have fellowship because we are here. We're intended. We are committed to loving the Lord, obeying him, and working along with the brothers and sisters to build up each other in a way that is stabilizing in a compromising environment and in a decrepit world. Next one point is verse 14. That we be no more henceforth, no more tossed, uh, excuse me. We henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Be stable. Now that might be a weird thought, but it's a good thought. Today and age, today and age, it seems like we live in change is just as a must. Y'all, you know, you're always changing. And you know what? I've changed in the last 10 years, and you have too. <laughs> Just think about it. Where was you at spiritually 10 years ago? Think about it. What did you love? And I hope you're changing toward holiness. It's easy to change the other way. You know, do you, does your devotional time mean more to you now than it did 10 years ago? If it is, you're, do, you're good. If it isn't, there's room for growth. For God. You know, and he said, not like children. Children here means simple-minded person or immature Christian. That's what it means. And so, you know, we, we don't, I would never want myself call a person simple-minded, but yet at the same time, children. That's an interesting thought. Did you ever see children? Children are very interesting. There's a bunch of things good, interesting about me. You give two boys that are two years old one a, a nice tractor and tell the other one, you just watch him play, and you're looking for a fight. That, that other one will want that toy real bad, just like Christians do. They like other people's toys sometimes. I'm, not, I'm talking about not being stable. Not like church says, don't you be like a child. Hmm, you know why? They want what everybody else has. Christians want what Jesus wants them to have. They want to use it to build up. They don't sit there and be envious. And so, uh, also children, then, by the way, when they get the toy, they're not happy, but for a few minutes. Because you give that person another toy, guess what? They're not happy with the tractor you gave them. Guess what? They went to skid odor. 
The devil has. You know where they'll go from one toy to the other. Hmm. It's nice to talk about children, isn't it? Well, he said, don't be like children. He said, just don't do that because you know what? You're tempted to do that. That's why. He's just letting us know. I know. I'm speaking to modern day America. You want other people's toys. You know, he said, don't be like children. He said, be stable. Be happy with what you have. You are blessed. I heard somebody say not too long ago, we're in the top 2%. 2%? I thought it was 10%. Somebody said 2%. It's probably true. Now, I know Glenn walked to church, but most of you didn't walk to church this morning. And Glenn didn't have to walk. He chose to walk. He could have ridden his bicycle, right? <laughs> well, what I'm saying is we're so wealthy that it makes us discontent. Hmm. God talked about that to his Israelites. He gave them a warning when they went into the land. You know what he said? Now, look, when you go into land and you have houses that you didn't build, you have vineyards that you didn't make, don't you forget, you, don't you forget about me. Wouldn't that be a good story for us to hear? It is for me. Oh, but it encourages you. You know, here you have all these, oh, I mean, clothes, food, raiment, and a great church. A wonderful church. We're not... Busting. We're, we're, not, we're not ready to split because we don't get along. Many churches are that way. We're not that way. You know what? We're focusing on Jesus. We're going to look at what's solid. We're going to be stable, right? We're not going to be changed into those types of things. Wow. Wow, what a blessing. Hmm. Change is so normal. What, what way am I changing? I praise God. When the pathway goes where he wants it to be, it's changing upward toward Jesus. Now, what it says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1, he says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as unto spiritual, but as the carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Now, I'm glad that everybody's born a babe. Uh, we're having instruction class, and every last one of those are babes in Christ. I was when I accepted Jesus. You were too. I mean, maybe you didn't think of it, but that's true. And, you know... And every child here born was born as a babe. But you know, it's so exciting to see a six month or eight month, how, when did children crawl? Six, eight months, 10 months, somewhere in there. You know, before they walk, so sometimes they have a crawling time. And it's so exciting to see them crawl. But I've never been excited to see a 10 year old or crawl. Have you? It's kind of hard to get excited about that, isn't it? Well, uh, See, he's saying, look, you know, you've been a Christian and maybe you're still crawling. You know, how about being stable and growing? He's saying, yeah, I like that idea. So does God, okay? God likes us to you know, get up and say, look, I'm going to stand up for Jesus. Hmm, that's a good thought. You know, it's one we like. I'm going to do that. I'm going to stand for holiness. I'm going to be stable in my ways. I'm going to love Jesus more. I'm going to love church. I'm going to be, when those doors are open, I'm going to be there. Because I, I got a passion for Jesus. And I love him. Yes. And they love his doctrine. They love his word. And they love doing his, his ways. Um, not tossed to and fro. It's so easy to be that way. And that really shows sometimes when people, there are some leaders in the Protestant circles that have a knack of explaining away the word of God. Friends, that is the kind you stay away from. That, you know, that's when you're going to be tossed to and fro, 
Be in the word, know what it says, and stay stable in it. Follow him. Never, ever give a listening ear to somebody that is explaining away the word of God. Never give them a ear. 1 Corinthians 14.20 says, Brethren, be not children in understanding. How be it in malice be children, but in understanding be men. I wish he was speaking of us men. I think it's what God said. In malice be children. I like that. You have seen it. And I have two. And that's what I like about this is a good plus about children. Children are humble, number one. But you know, they can have a dog fight. They can, I mean, you grab it and I mean, there's, there's, they get upset. Three minutes later, they're playing together. No problem. No problem. In malice, be like a child. I like that. So somebody crosses your path, says something you really don't like, and you got offended, which you shouldn't have, probably. And you know what? Be like a child. Forgive. That's okay. It's on them. I'm moving. I love them anyhow. Three minutes later, everything's good to go. That's what God is saying. Be like a child in malice. Be like a child. And don't be tossed to and fro. Where it says in James 1, verse 6, it says, But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed, tossed around, I tell you, I get around certain people and they have an obsession. Obsessions can bring instability. Now, and I've seen people have obsessions for hunting. I've seen obsessions for fishing. I've seen obsessions for smartphones. Is this possible? No. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But hopefully you don't see that in the mirror. And they get obsessions. You know what? Obsessions are a sign of instability. I didn't hear any amens, but that's true. Obsessions are a sign of instability. Because did you have it two years ago? No, you had something else better, hopefully, replacing it. You know what I mean? In other words, how about having a obsession, obsession with following Jesus? Yeah, let's do that. That's what he wants. See, that brings stability. Obsessions with following Jesus. Now, I'm not against the little hunting, and I'm not talking about those things if they're in the order, but I'm talking about obsessions where you wake up every morning, oh, I wish I could do this. Man, I wish it didn't have to work today. I could do this and this and this. Watch out. Obsessions show immaturity and instability. They do, and we can stay away from them. What a tremendous blessing. So we can be stable, and we can do what's right. And where it says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1, uh, 2, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 2, he but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, and by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And that is a person that is not going to be given to deceit. Listen to, to one twisting the scripture deceitfully and saying it's okay to do things when the scripture doesn't say anything. And he's willing to be submissive in the brotherhood. And is willing to be honest and open in every way, shape, or form. This person will love the verse in Jeremiah 6, 16. You ought to have this verse underlined, actually. Jeremiah 6, 16. Thus saith the Lord, stand you in the ways, see and ask for the old paths, which is the good, where is the good way and walk therein and you shall find rest to your souls. You don't, there's no new wheels need to be invented spiritually. Now there might be new applications. 
There might be new things you have to relate to, but spiritually, there's no new wheels need to be invented spiritually. This book has been around for almost 2,000 years, and so there's no new tricks need to be invented. But, oh, people say, oh, you know, I don't like what they're doing. You know, I just got this little thing. Listen, you want peace. You want rest for your souls. Buy into God's way. Buy into a good brotherhood. Be building. Be willing to submit to all the doctrines of God and be built up in the Lord. You will find rest for your souls. And that's what we want and need. We never want to be like the Israelites back in those days. You know what it said? The last part of that verse, very sad, and may it never be said of us, but they said, we will not walk therein. People don't say that now. They just live that way. I'm going to do it my way. Friends, we don't, we don't follow God our way. We follow God his way, and that's a tremendous blessing. Well, I want to get to the fourth point here yet this morning. And that is last one, verse 15 and 16, where it says, but speak the truth and love may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. We talked about the head being Jesus being the head and from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by with every joint supplied according to the effectual working and the measure of every part worketh itself, maketh itself, maketh increase of the body by the edifying of itself in love. Now, I, uh, I spoke about a number of these points, but if we're going to be mature, I'm going to say it in another word, we must be brotherly. We must be brotherly. Now, I talked about loving work on the kind of relates, but speaking the truth in love so that we may grow up in him together. Ephesians, uh, just a little bit later in this chapter, Ephesians 5.25 says, the says, therefore putting away lying, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. This is one another, and this is the way God wants it to be, speaking the truth in love. We must always speak the truth, never putting a slant on it. Never putting a slant on it. I know it's easy to tend, you know, when we kind of, where somebody's talking to us about a certain thing, it might be where I'm not doing too well, it's easy to kind of put a slant on that and tell the half truth. I want to remind us always, friendships are built on trust, and trust is built on telling the truth. Friendships are ruined when it's half truths, so you can't trust them. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm doing this and this and this. Or I had to miss churches, you know, because I was sick or something. You find out they were out doing something completely, they were fine. It ruins friendship, friends. Always remember, solid truth, even if it makes you look bad, is way better than a half lie. It's way better than a half lie. Because we know you're human. You know, you, we, you might say, well, I didn't come to church because I was sick spiritually. And we say, well, we understand. We've been there ourselves. That's way better than just making up some story. It's way better. Yes, speak the truth. It's a very, very important for us to be that way. 1 Peter 1.22. Another one of my favorite verses about getting along with each other. I have a good number of them, actually. Seeing ye have purified your souls into obeying the truth, obeying the word, uh, obeying the truth through spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love 
one another with a heart fervently. I'll read you another ending. That one's good enough, but this one even gets better. Having purified your souls by obedience of the truth for a, a sincere love for the brother. Not put on, not feign. I'm, you know, I'll finish the verse and I'll say some more, okay? Love one another earnestly from the heart. And I tell you, friends, that's a beautiful heart. That heart will be one that wants to grow. They want to be a blessing to each other, loving the heart fervently. Yes, a sincere heart of love. So who in this brotherhood do you have to put up with? That's my question. Who do you have to put up with? I hope it's nobody. If it is, there's a few things you can do. You can forgive. In fact, if you can't get on, do forgive them, or you're going to have problems in your spiritual life. Forgive. If that doesn't, well, that will work. But if that isn't necessary, what isn't that bad? Forbear, okay? Forbear. You know, there's a lot of forbearance. We all actually, in, in a certain group, we're, we're a square plug in a round hole, or whatever they call it, when it's an eyeball. Uh, you know, we're all kind of that way to somebody, but thankfully not to everybody. We shouldn't be, we should be trying to get along. Forgive and forgive. Have compassion with passion. Okay? Have compassion with passion. I want to tell you, friends, if we have that, we will love one another. And I tell you, it will be an impressive love because it's a divine love. And we're going to have our brothers and sisters back. You know what that means? We'll have their back. And I mean, not with a knife. We're going to support them. We're going to have their back. And I love that. I firmly believe Christians should have their brothers and sisters back. When it comes to other people complaining and tearing them down, friends, if there'd be more of that, the churches would stay together and God would bless them tremendously for that. Now, where it says in Philippians 1, verse 9, and this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. I praise God we can be and are striving to be a church that is growing up together. Lord bless you to that end. Should we have a song?